Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. We've got some things to talk about. It's kind of a joke, and I won't say any more there, but we'll save it for the show. All right. Well, I mean, if you're ready, then I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll, bud. Let's do it. That's that's awesome. Okay. So uh, now, before we get too deep into this, before we get started at all, actually, I want to take the time to just give a shout out to um, a few other podcasts, because essentially the podcast family is an important one. It's actually, it's a great community that helps each other out, and this is kind of one of those things. And um, there's a lot of positivity actually in the, in the podcast community. It's something it's really it's really refreshing and nice to see. So if you're not doing a, po- a podcast and maybe you're feeling down a little bit, start a podcast and just join the community, and you'll see like everyone's there to pick each other up. It's it's really really cool. But uh, one of the best ways to actually kind of do that is to um, is to do a, a shout out. And so there's there's like there's a few podcasts that I've been listening to somewhat uh, regularly. Um, since Mike and I started this awesome little journey uh, with with our with our little 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 podcast, little modest podcast, so I, I wanted to mention off uh, just right off the top of the bat a couple of them. So the, the first one is it's called Hockey Seasons. It's kind of an interesting concept where this guy Derek he travels through time and he explores like some great players or great games or great seasons or great teams, kind of all of it. And he, he's kind of all over the place with it. There's no there's no sort of um, it's not always just like one player or one team. It's it's kind of everywhere. It's just more about these. Great Great, like I said, these great seasons, these great games, or great teams, whatever. So it's always interesting uh, to hear all these stats, and it's very arbitrary. So it's kind of cool that way. It's kind of like a little concept I had originally thought for for me alone to do a podcast, but then um, you know, thankfully Mike stepped in, and now we're doing this podcast. And it's not to suggest that it wouldn't have been good the other way, but this is just obviously so much good, so much good, so much better. Um, but anyway, so that so hockey seasons, great great podcast. Have a listen to that one. Uh, there's two more I want to mention. Uh, one of them, uh, if honestly, if you like our show, if people who are listening right now, you really like our show, there's another show that you guys should check out. It's called On the Bench with Beaks. These guys are awesome. They're highly entertaining. One of the, actually the <laughs> first episode funny guys, I man. they were doing a recording in a bar. They are. They're very colorful, and I love them. Honestly, they're, they're worth a, a listen. Uh, there's Cody, Bryce, and Nick, and they have some guests, too. It's very similar to our show. So if you like our show, I think you would really like this show. So have a listen. They're very interesting. Uh, great Check topics, great ideas, and always on point, so it's awesome. Yeah, and uh, the, lastly, uh, actually, we're kind of hoping to do a collab with them, too. So, ch- uh, you know, every our listeners should listen out for that one. Uh, and so lastly, it's another one, actually, we're hoping to do a collab with. These guys are just awesome. Um, so they're called Kraken, the Kraken Night Show. So Ian and JP, honestly, they it sounds like, well, they're only covering two teams. Honestly, there's a lot to cover with uh, just Seattle and, and, and Vegas. And, and they're two of the more exciting teams. And it's kind of an interesting concept to just sort of focus on the two youngest teams of the NHL. So it's kind of cool. So they're called the Kraken Night Show. Uh, so again, like Ian and JP do a fantastic job of keeping things light, interesting, and very entertaining. Uh, and, it's, and it's one of the, the greatest sources, like I mentioned, for Seattle and Vegas. So give them a listen. Uh, and again, we're hoping to collab with them as well. So that should be a very interesting show. Uh, but I just wanted to get that out of the way at the top of the show. Not out of the way, but... Honestly, credit where credit is due. These are some interesting podcasts, and people should listen to them um, if they like ours. Hopefully, so you, you guys like their show as much as you like ours. Not more. You should well, still like ours a little ours bit. More. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but let's be real here. 
<laughs> no, they're all good shows. <clears throat> so you want to get right in to check my fanny here, Marty, or what? I think so, and I think it's important. Guys, listen, today, everybody listening, we've got this is a hell of a show. There's going to be a lot of emotion on this show. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's start with Check My Fanny for sure, Mike. Go ahead. All right. Well, listen, folks, uh, there's a lot to unpack this week here in the uh, in the Fantasy League, uh, in the CFHL. Uh, we've ha- we are going through our mid-season um, entry dra- our mid-season draft at this particular moment. Um, and of course, it's a, a time where we can either uh, bring up uh, future stars, we can send someone down if we want to, uh, if they meet the requirements. And of course, uh, there is a lot of trading going on at the midseason. Uh, so let's go over a, a couple of trades here that happened in the league. Uh, we've got the Cougars and the Pond Hogs pulled off a little a little deal. Troy Terry, who was picked by the Pond Hogs and then shipped right over to the Cougars, uh, along with the second round mid, which ended up being Evander Kane. So interesting there with uh, Ryan Ryan taking a little gamble there. Yeah. Uh, and Jason gets a first round entry a couple yeah. years down the road in twenty two twenty three. Uh, myself and Jay, yeah, myself Pilot and on. Jason uh, end up pulling a, a small deal. Actually, no, I shouldn't even say that. It's not really a small deal. Uh, so Jason so Jason gets it's Willie a, good one. End, uh, a second round <laughs> entry in uh, September coming up next year, uh, as well as a sixth round entry in 24-25. Uh, I was able to snag Jack Campbell off of him uh, and got a second round uh, midseason, which then I flipped over to you. Um, uh, you're very welcome. Merci. So, of course, there are uh, a, couple, and a couple small deals on top of that. Uh, the said deal between Marty and myself, uh, I uh, gave him a second round midseason. He gave me a sixth round entry a couple years down the road in 24-25. Uh, the Cougars and Royals make a small little deal as well, a fifth round entry in 22-23 going to the Cougars. And the Royals get Alex and Delkovich to uh, shore up the goaltending a little bit. And then there's a flipping of third round midseasons. Uh, your dad getting uh, mine this year, and uh, I get his um, next year. So uh, there's a couple of small deals to finish things off there. Uh, and I believe um, that's everything that I have to say in regards to trades. I don't think I missed anything. If I did, my apologies. Um on top of that, basically with the standings of uh, our season, uh, things are going to get a little bit tighter here as uh, Tom, uh, sorry, Joel was able to give uh, uh, Tom a little bit of a rough go this week. So he was able to take that match up uh, be- between uh, yeah. the two of us. Uh, you were able to take that handedly. So that tightens things up quite a bit in our division uh, due to the fact that For sure. uh, the Cougars took their week and I believe they were playing... I think they might have been playing Jason. I'm not 100% sure in the Pawn Hogs. Um, but uh, he took his week as well. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, Cougars? the Cougars? The Cougars are playing. Yeah, the Cougars are playing Jason. Yeah. I think it was. And he okay. took it 46-28. So with, him, with yeah. him winning, it really tightens up things in our division. And really, for that matter, overall uh, in the standings as uh, Tom was able to... Uh, slip up this week and thankfully we all get a chance to uh claw back a little bit uh in regards to his record so uh there's a uh, check of our uh our fantasy league and the check my fanny for this week guys and i think marty you have a little something 
think you uh, have a little something honestly, that you want to go on top of that there too. I, yeah so like i mean there's there's so much to unpack from this week and i don't want to bore people too too much because i know i mean we do like talking about our league because it's sort of an insight on a very interesting league because i mean geez like listen to what mike just talked about like all these trades picks and players going in and out and stuff like it's so much fun to be part of a league like this um but what before i get too deep into it i just i mean not to toot my own horn or anything but i grabbed um vil huso uh for my last pick and and i'm gonna tell you here's why like this is this is the kind of thing you need to do in this type of fantasy um league where you need to think ahead and you gotta get sneaky so with vil huso he's actually a sneaky little pick in in 10 in terms of he, yeah, he's a backup right now in St. Louis, but lately, I think he has honestly, I think he has a chance at stealing the starting job uh, from Biddington. And, and and like lately, like he's only given up. Yeah, see, like the only he's given up only one goal in his last two starts, uh, being against um, Washington and Seattle. Um, furthermore, he's sitting with a 213 GAA and a 935 on the season. So small sample size, yes, of nine games where he was actually battling an injury at the beginning time. So ever since he's gotten back from injury, he's kind of seen an uptick a little bit. So this is all versus a recently struggling Jordan Binnington, who's since coming back from COVID, he's gone to the tune of a 325 GAA and a 906 save percentage, ending last night with a horrible loss. Yeah, that the was Maple rough, Leafs, allowed Six goals and 40 shots. That's below 900. I look, and honestly, he doesn't look all that great. And I know, that, and I know at the beginning of the season, I said, like, look for Binnington to potentially win the Vesna. And listen... Do I want to be right in my predictions more than I want to be right about grabbing a player? Um, no, I'd rather grab the player and be right about that and be wrong about Bennington <laughs> because that would mean a lot of wins for me and I could win the season. So <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather that. But the sneaky part about this for me is that so for our future stars situation, goalies have to play how many games is it, Mike? Goalies have to play how many games? 50. 50. Five before zero. you have to keep them in your lineup. But if they play below 50, you get to tuck them away in our future stars. So you, everybody's got two future stars that you can tuck away at the end of the season. And that's where I'm going to put Vili. I'm going to use him during the season and hopefully he can pick up the slack. But there's only 30 games left. So even if he does, I get to keep him no matter what in my future stars and I will not lose him even though I get to reap the benefits of him for the rest of the season. Tell me that's not brilliant. Well, it's a nice little move, bud. It was a nice little move. I didn't even realize that you had made it, like I was saying off the show there. I mean, I, I had him down for a, a taxi squad guy, and uh, I, I didn't even realize that you snagged him before that. But it's a nice little move, and that's exactly what you have to do. you got to look ahead ahead a little bit in regards to our league because yeah. we are not a daily fantasy league, which yeah. brings me back to all of these exactly. trades. And yes, we certainly hope we didn't bore any of you guys in regards to all the trades. But I mean, it, it is, it is, uh, it, well, it's what makes it's our cool. league so much different than other leagues is that, I mean, this was a time that people were yeah. going to like stock up. And, and, and if you thought you had a, a chance at making a run here, you were going to go out and get what you needed and what you thought you needed. Uh, I, again, because we can't yeah. pick these guys up on a daily basis, you're waiting months to get your hands on some of these guys, right? So there's a lot of, there's, there, there is a fair exactly. bit of strategy in regards to games played this year i will mention that really quickly which is uh, obviously pretty interesting yeah. again because we don't have the opportunity to switch things out on a daily basis yeah exactly and and, and like and honestly all of that culminates to like a really much more um invigorating everybody's really tapped yep. into these things like the mid-season drafts which keeps you in much more into it all season long right so like 
all the way through, you're paying that much more attention, figuring out who's doing what and where and when and that kind of stuff. So it really keeps everybody nicely engaged. So it'd be, it'd be cool to hear like maybe some of our, our listeners start uh, branching out into other fantasies. And maybe th- these are the kinds of formats that they consider, because I really think that this is the kind of stuff that I don't know it's very unique. And obviously, I, I, I'm kind of biased, been in the league. But uh, anyways, I, I love it. And I, I think it's great. And but one thing that's one last thing I'm, I'm going to mention about what's happened uh, this week, and then we can move on to around the league is um, so, and this, I have to mention this because I find this is to be very interesting. My father and I actually had a conversation. My dad is the owner of the Buccaneers team. So this week has a potential of being like the TSN turning point of the season for our league. The most yeah. impactful matchup obviously was the apocalypse and demons. And that was the big one. So the apocalypse beating demons meant that it gave you Ryan, my dad and myself a chance to move to within one game closer anyways, of yeah. the best overall record in the league, which is obviously where we all want to be. It's the big chip, right? So, and while you did exactly, sorry, while we all did exactly that, but except for you, um, it's okay. Like you didn't lose ground yeah, on Tom. Yeah. You were at the top of our division and Tom lost. So you didn't lose any ground there. So it's not really that it's not, obviously you always want to pick up a game when you can, but in this case you didn't lose yeah. anything. So that's fine. So, but what this does mean for our league is that everyone just, the whole thing just got a lot tighter. Ryan's within three games. My dad's within four. You and I are within two and Joel's within one. This just made everything so. What's already been a very interesting season that much more interesting. Like it's the rest of the way here is way more interesting. And to, and to end with my dad, actually, one final note about him. Yes, my dad is four games out, and that sounds like a lot. But my dad plays against Tom four more times for the rest of the season. Starting from now, like my dad, the Buccaneers, they're in control of their fate of what happens in that league. So that's that's really interesting. My dad's and now like you know with the midseason, he just made his team that much better, right? So and Tom, for some reason, I mean, his, his team just did not show up this week. And had my dad been playing against Tom this week, he would have smoked him 47 to 33. So like my dad's team getting better, Tom's team maybe starting to dip down. Things can get even more interesting. So things are a lot more wide open now than I think they felt last week where I was saying, like, maybe we need to change this, the divisions and systems. But maybe I spoke I mean, too soon. I will say that, I mean, the, the way everything kind of fell in the place this week, I mean it's muddled up pretty good it's muddled up pretty so good here at the top of the standings and that of course made for quite an interesting mid-season mm-hmm. with all of the trades because you've got more more teams that obviously oh, yeah. think they have a, a chance to to make a go here so i mean a lot of teams and and leading up mm-hmm. to the mid-season as well i know there was trades throughout december but uh, the trades that were mentioned were ones that were right around the uh the mid-season here and of course again with teams you know having a, a having basically a go at it here in regards to uh, the distance they are from first place it made for a lot of a lot of great deals over the last couple of days yeah very interesting stuff and and anyway and sorry like I, and we've really rambled on a lot about our, our league for for uh, <laughs> for this show but it, it, there was a lot of interesting stuff so we, we really want to cover good. it all we're good we can move so, on and i like and so moving on and this is i think i like mike's idea here i think we're going to change we've been talking about this a lot change the name from around the league in 30 plays to along the boards i like that we're along the boards baby love it so um so we can along the boards it's the same concept we're just changing up the name so calm down people <laughs> so I, I want to I, I think the elephant in the room right now in the league 
is what's happening in the all-star game big time and so i i had a hard t- i had a hard time finding exactly when this rule came in but as near as i can tell the rule for the one player per team was introduced in 2016 did you ever did you read something different or that counters that or I didn't, we're gonna run with that uh, we're gonna run with that okay so it doesn't really matter when the rule was brought in because it's a shit rule um, so regardless if that's true or not, it, it's an absurd rule that makes zero sense and dilutes the already fragile foundation of what we call the all-star game. Who's getting who? Honestly, the all-star game stopped being interesting when Al McKinnis stopped showing up or Ray Burke didn't want to win the, the actually segment anymore. But, you know, that might be a little bit of a bias on my part. Like that's just back then. But I feel like it was around that time where the all-star game started to really the whole, the whole weekend started to mean a little bit less. It's been a steady decline ever since. And honestly, it's. I don't think there's any respect left for the all-star game. And then when you start throwing in a rule like this, where we're going to have one player per, per team on the, like, these are not all-stars. Okay. Like I, I'm going to, I've got a huge list of everybody who did make it, but I'm just going to, the highlighted ones I'm going to mention real quick, Mike, if you got something to say, uh, I'll let you talk in a minute, but let me just go over the highlighted players that I want to mention that are apparently all-stars in the NHL this year. Go nuts, brother. Go nuts. <laughs> Nick Suzuki, who's got 19 and 36. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, who's got 22 and 36. He's a minus 12. Thank you very much. Clearly, that's an all-star. Uh, Clayton Keller, <clears throat> 27, 35. Claude Giroux, 29 and 33. Adam Pelch, really? <laughs> Jordan Eberle, uh, Adrian Kemp, Thatcher Demko. Listen, is there a place for these players? Of course there's a place for these players, but it's not in the all-star game. Okay, it's, these plays have, These players have a place with their teams. That's fine, but these are not all-stars because who, who, who's not going now? Um, Brad Marchant, 41 and 29, uh, 41 points in 29 games. Sidney Crosby, 24 and 24, and shut up his friggin' Sidney Crosby. Of course, he's an all-star. Igor Sestrikin, 199 with a 939. Really? Not an all-star. Uh, Trevor Zegras, 29 and 34, and I think we all remember the goal. Like, if you're going to audition <laughs> for the all-star game, you do a goal like that. That's what you. That's what gets you in. Right? Am I wrong? No, not at all. You, you want to sell the game, right? So, I mean, to me... That's an all-star move. Why do you not want to have that guy there? He's been selling the game for you in the first half of the season. Exactly. He's got a goal of the year. 100%. 100%. Like, it's already in the top 10. Like, why do you not... And, and it's not to say that he's got one and done. He's got 29-34. He's obviously still in there. Um, then you got Steven Stamkos, who's on pace for his first ever 100-point season in his career. But, nah, screw that. Let's have fucking Clayton Keller. Roman, uh, Roman Yossi? Nope. Apparently, we want Rasmus Dahlin or Adam Pelch. Over Roman Yossi, who's actually leading the league in for defensemen. Like, what the hell? Trade, trade me some Andrew and Penrin for fucking Claude Giroux. Or same goes for William Nylander. Like, why bother when you can have Adrian Kemp? But honestly, the biggest snub in all of it, and this is this is pathetic stuff, is Naz, is Nazim Kadri. This is absolutely absurd. I'm gonna rhyme off my last little bit here. Michael, let you speak. 48 points in 31 games. Do you know what the kind of season you have to have? <laughs> to be the top scorer on a potent avalanche offense that you know isn't named Miko or Landeskog or McKinnon. Did McKinnon miss some games? For sure he did. He missed seven games. Uh, uh, sorry, he missed seven games. He's played seven less than Kadri. So that's just seven. So and, and McKinnon's got 35 and 24. So that's 13 less than Kadri. That means McKinnon would need almost two points per game for 13 games straight to catch up to Kadri in both games played and points. 
Understand that not even McKinnon is a lock for that kind of stat. So you got to give the man the respect he deserves. Change this freaking format. And honestly, McKinnon, he's already said it himself. He'd be the first in line. Swap it. And I'm not saying you swap McKinnon for Kadri, but you definitely swap uh, Kadri for Demko, Kemp, Eberle, Pelsch, Giroux, any other guy. Like, not having him in there, that's just, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Are you going to be all right? No. I'm steaming mad. <laughs> You're going to be okay? Well, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I'll give you a few minutes to calm down here. Like, don't worry about it. Now, listen. I mean, for me, it, it's pretty simple. Uh, th- this isn't a participation badge kind of game here. Like, we're not trying to make we're not trying to make everybody feel good. I mean, this is the NHL. And now, in particular, with the Nazem Kadri situation, look, guys. I mean, things fell in place for him this week. Uh, this week, this year so far. I mean, with the injury to McKinnon, the guy gets some time on the top line. Obviously, the guy does well. I mean, it's a case where you have to give this guy his just due. He's never going to have another year like this, Marty. Like, he, like we are seeing, we are seeing Nazem Kadri's career year in front of our eyes. Like, I mean, I, I would, I would beg to differ that he, even he would know that he's not going to have another year like yeah. this. So. I mean the fact the fact that and and I mean look I'll I'll even use Nick Suzuki, uh, one of my own guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy for the kid that he's in the game the way it is in the whole nine yards. Okay, cool, but let's call it what it is. He's only there because somebody needs to represent Montreal. So. We're gonna have. How does that something feel? Like Honestly, that. how do you really feel as a player where you know you're just you're a you're a pylon you're a you're a throw in you didn't earn it. You know that. You know that as a player, you don't deserve to be there. And and that's what I don't understand is these guys, like, okay, listen, why are we even going to put the players through this? Send the guys exactly. that deserve to be there that are having all-star years. Yeah. This participation badge thing is, is pretty brutal. It, it looks bad on the league. The player, again... These players that, that are representing these teams from Arizona, Montreal, like, come on. Come on. Come on. They 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 know damn well why they're going to the game. So why why are you even putting them through that? You know? Like I mean, then don't get me wrong, you know, Marshawn's like, I really don't care, whatever. Of course he doesn't. He'd rather have the time off at this yeah. point. He's in he's in it for the big he's in it for the big I, prize. I, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna I hadn't thought about this, and it's true, but some of these players are like, Yeah, you know what, I don't really care. It's fine. I don't need to go to the All-Star game. And you know why, though? It might be because of stupid moves like this. If you don't put anything, if you don't give it some value, if you take away, if you dilute it the way that you do it, then the players don't even care anymore. So now if you've gotten to a point as a league that your players don't even care about the All-Star game anymore, it didn't used to be like that. All-Star games used to mean something back in the day. Players actually enjoyed it and wanted to be part of it. It was a big deal. But when you hear like one of the best in the league, like Brad Marchand or even Sidney Crosby or whoever, say things like, nah, it's all good. I don't really care then that means it's broken. You need to address the fact that if you don't have your top players wanting to be there, then there's a bigger issue. It's not to suggest that these players aren't good players. Don't get me wrong. Like I, everybody, everybody who's on this list, like, I mean, do I think Nick Suzuki's got a place in the NHL? Absolutely. Would I like to see him in the Oilers on my favorite team? Sure, why not? He's got a, so much potential, but that's not the discussion. The discussion is who is the best right now, and he's not. He's already had a, a tough enough year being part of the Montreal Canadiens. Now he knows he shouldn't be part of the All-Star game, and then he's going to go and potentially, let's say he doesn't do very good at the All-Star game, game at all now it's going to be even more on him like that's a lot of pressure for a kid why would you do this to somebody like that anybody not just a kid could be a veteran as well this is a huge shot to the ego that just isn't is completely unnecessary have the ones 
who deserve to be there go, not by uh, rule, but by merit. Well, I mean, look, another example, right? I'm looking at him right now is Adam Pellick. You, how many guys could we name off? You know what I mean? What like be- before him going to the All Star game, and again, again, there's no slight to him. He he's he plays a great he, he plays a great game for the island. It's not about that. But we're talking about the All Star game. If you want to make this somewhat of an event here for your league, and you're trying to sell this game, you're going up against mm. the, the the other big three in the state. Why would you and do I'm this? Sorry, it ha- it exactly it has to start with the best players best out there. going to the All Star game. I mean, these are big boys, right? Like if they don't get picked to the All Star game, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think. And and I'll tell you right now, and I. I've never played in any kind of professional league or whatever, but I can tell you right now that with the way they play hockey in the NHL, <laughs> a lot of these guys are going to welcome the time off, right? If they don't uh, don't happen to get picked, so listen, g- the guys will be honored if it's a yeah. best on best, and the guys that don't get picked, they're <laughs> big boys. I'm sure they're going to be able to handle it. And they'll yeah. enjoy the time off and get themselves set for uh, the second half of the season. Well, what do you suppose the NHL's angle is by doing something like this? Is it is it so that they can get involvement, guaranteed involvement from fans from each and every city? Is that the idea? So that's just a money thing then? Well, is that what it is? I mean, the funny thing is, right, is it's all fan-driven. Oh, well, we want you to be able to support a representative from your team. Okay, most NHL fans, Marty, as we both know, are smart enough to know. And listen, listen, okay? I mean, you know you know how long I've been watching hockey? A couple years. I mean, perfect example is, again, Suzuki. I know why he's going to that game, period. So, I mean, you're... you're, you're you're kind of you're driving force behind this is oh well we want our you know our fans from every city to be able to uh, support and get excited about hey listen it's all well and good to get excited about it but uh, kind of on merit honestly right? even even as a Montreal fan even as an Edmonton fan even as let's say a Seattle fan yeah okay so Seattle Kraken who you got you got Jordan Eberle going to the game okay fine you got Jordan Eberle and you know, one player he's not going to compete in all the all of the contests he's not going to be on every single line you're going to see him for like maybe a grand total for the whole weekend maybe 20 minutes okay would you have not ch- chimed in or checked in had let's say had he not shown up and you were we replaced it with let's say i don't know brad marchand or um panarin or crosby no if you knew that they were still gonna have either a marchand or a panarin or a crosby you most likely as a hockey fan are 100 still checking in i can tell you right now i'm checking out because you've got players who are just going to waste my time. I don't want to see Eberle take an accuracy shot. I want to see Crosby do it because I know Crosby's <laughs> better than Eberle. It's like it's not it's not a shot on Eberle. This isn't a sh- but come on. It's like trying to pretend that um, you know $100,000 is just as good as $100. No, it's not. $100,000 is always going to be better than $100. Look at the stats. Crosby is way better than Eberle. So is Marchand, so is Panarin. Better than all these other players. I don't want to see I'm, this hey, listen, garbage. I mean, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it, it, it again, you're trying to sell the game. You're not doing it in a, in a way that is conducive in my particular point of view. I mean, it's watered down. Flat out. It's watered down. I mean, if they want this to move forward and for these players to actually kind of want and have some sort of want to go to this event on a yearly basis, you got to switch it up, man. You just have to. 
Gotta do something better because this ain't working. And and honestly, you're, they're gonna lose. They're gonna. They're, in my opinion, actually, I, just, I wish I would have looked this up too. Is the um, over the years since 2016, how many fans have they actually lost viewership for the All Star Game over the last? Uh, that would be six years. I guess it would be the sixth year with this format. And I guarantee you, it's gone down. Because I'm not even. Sure, I don't even think I remember watching it last year or the year before that. Like it's rare that I tune in to watch the game. If I tune into the weekend, it's usually for the uh, um, the competition skills. Yeah, the yeah. skills competitions, yeah. which I want to see the fastest skater, accuracy, hardest shot. Um, and uh, oh, there's another one where they like they move through the cones like stick handling, and they gotta flip it through a hole kind of thing or whatever. Anyways, that kind of stuff. I think it is just a stick handling one, yeah. Okay, so like th- that's the kind of that's honestly that's the only part I really care. I don't ca- I haven't cared about the game. Ooh, since high school, maybe you know, back when they had the well, it's uh, been a while, man. The Campbell Division, the, the Wales and Campbell yep. Division, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, that's when it was interesting, right? Like I actually, I actually cared. And is it? Didn't they for a while? Didn't wasn't there an add-on to whoever is? Maybe this is NBA. Whoever wins the game that has something to do. They, they, there's a lead in there for the playoffs. Like whoever wins the whichever division wins wins the playoffs. Is something like that's where the first, so wh- sorry, whoever wins the All Star game, whichever division, that's where the first game of the finals will be played. Something like that. I feel like there was a rule somewhere like that. Well, in one I, of the I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it's in baseball because I know during their All Star game, whoever wins National or American, oh, uh, I believe that's where the, I believe that's where the World Series starts, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, and, so and that's it was, it. That's and, and it was their way of making it important for. You know what I mean? So that it was actually yeah, like competitive. That. So it was actually somewhat competitive and whatnot. So. I don't know. I, I feel like that that that's that's a great example of how do you make this game important and uh, and the players more willing to, you know, like because like, I mean, let's be real here. When you watch the the All Star game right now, like it's a um, wide open passes. It's a it's a fairly. I mean, if it's a fast pace, it's because it's. Again, it's because of the wide open passes, and it, no one's hitting anybody. There's no, there's no, there's no, no there's physicality, no game energy. There's no physicality. There's nothing that great about. It. You see the goalies like who aren't really giving it their all because you know, God forbid, you should get hurt during your All Star game. That would be terrible. Um, and I don't disagree with that necessarily, but <clears throat> I mean, you 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 start treating this like a participation award, and then you combine that with you know the players not really giving it their all. What are we watching? What are we watching? Why are we tuning in? I've got less. I got even less reason to tune in now. At least give me the best players, so that I'll at least tune in for that. But holy jeez, man, this is just. I don't know. There, I I don't see this trending in the right direction for the NHL. And that's the other thing, right? Again, the kind of the whole money behind it. You're trying to grow the game and everything. I mean, at the very least, like I'm okay with it not be any hitting and, and any of that stuff. Like I'm okay yep. with the wide open play. But if I'm gonna do that, I want to see the best on best. Like I mean, you know, we haven't at gotten least. the Olympics. We we haven't gotten any kind of a World Cup or anything like that. Uh, you know, we're not gonna get any kind of Olympics coming up here again. So mm-hmm. you know what? Like I mean, give me the best on best and let's get it going. Let's have a, a good game. Game, like a wide open game let's see some really nice goals and i mean yeah. that's what it's all about right so i mean i i, I these guys aren't stupid well i mean the, you could say the league's a little <laughs> bit silly right now with the way they're they're, hold, they're holding the, the the all-star game but i mean you got to hope that these guys figure it out and just say okay well you know everybody knows what's going on here let's just get the, get the best players that we can get to this game and and move on 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've lost the, 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 the logic in all of this, and it's been several years now. And I mean, it seems to be a hot topic almost every year since, since the stupid rule kind of came in. And anyways, ah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, too. I think, I think we exhausted this whole all-star game thing. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, it's a little bit of a thorn in our side yeah. for sure. All right, so let's move on to Oily Habs because uh, there's good. something. There's something. Um, <laughs> geez, <laughs> get passionate about the All Star. Oh my God, this is about to get again. Too, I mean, I'm not going to not be passionate about the Oilers until something something actually gets done because that's part of the that's part of the issue for me right now is is the fact that you know there's a lot of talk. You know, Ken Holland had his had his little his little powwow. His not his powwow, but his a little. Um, media thing that was what i mean what did he do uh he pumped his own tires uh, you know kept talking about detroit and all that kind of bullshit um he kept saying how you know he believes that the answer is in that locker room uh, which like i mean uh, there's they're standing up for your team they're standing up for your players and that kind of stuff and i'm fine with that i got no issues with that but you didn't need to do any of that um but at the end, I guess maybe that's exactly what he felt like doing because it, apparently he believes in the status quo. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to change anything. And in fact, does, not only does he not want to change anything, but he's going to go and plug a hole that doesn't need to be plugged. Um, he's going to go ahead and he's going to sign Evander Kane, which still isn't official yet. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the writing's on the wall. Everyone seems to believe that it's Kane's going to Edmonton and... Um, this solves absolutely nothing. This doesn't do anything at all. In fact, it probably brings in a lot more issues um, than they've already currently got going on, which is a lot to, already. You got goaltending issues, you got defensive issues, you got coaching issues. You don't have offensive issues. Are they scoring as much as they were in the beginning? No. But the reason for that is because they're letting in way more and it's gone on for so long that that, that, that locker room is now toxic. There are other issues now because the issues have, have been allowed to go on for so long without any changes whatsoever. Nothing has changed since we saw this back in, back before December. This has been such an ongoing issue that it's, it's really mind-boggling to think that nothing has happened. Um, there's some things that you can turn around. Thankfully, there's, there's still time for them to at least make it to the playoffs. But forget about this team being a contender. This, this is completely out of the window. Um, this team is a, a, such a huge friggin' mess at this point. And honestly, Connor McDavid, um, I'm starting to think that uh, his swagger, his arrogance, um, his, his comments about Evander Kane would have been a hell of a lot easier. You could have, you could have done such a better job with that. Um, like honestly, like when, when he was saying something, we got to win above all else, uh, above all else. Sorry. Uh, that honestly leaves a little bit to be desired because call me old fashioned, but I want my leaders to lead by example. I mean, how hard would it have been for him to say something on the lines of she can't walk through this door, through the dressing room door as an oiler. He will be held to the same standards as all oilers are, uh, with merit, respect and accountability. Bam. Done. Like how hard is that? And then there's people saying like, well, you know, he's not paid for that. He's paid to win game. I'm sorry. Do you honestly think that getting paid millions of dollars, you can't handle one more task to your job? He's already a gifted hockey player. He's got that. He doesn't even need to think about that. But this is the kind of stuff, if, you, if you're a real leader, yeah, you'd give this a second thought. And you actually come out with better, better stuff than this because this is atrocious. I get paid 0.4% of what he makes, and I can guarantee you I do more than one goddamn thing at my job. 
And if I didn't do more than one thing, I'd be fired pretty fucking quick. But yet, for some reason, he gets a pass because, what, he can score a lot of goals and get a lot of points? I don't care. He's not winning games for us. So you need to lead. He, uh, to me, all I'm seeing is Connor McDavid showing his age. He's, he's not mature enough to handle the C. And honestly, I really think Dreisaitl should be the captain. And I feel bad that I, it took this long for me to notice something like that. Because McDavid still needs to do a lot of growing up. Well, I mean, the two words that I'm going to say here about the Oilers are desperation and frustration. There's desperation right now coming from management in regards to the fact that they... they, they Not only do they want to go after Evander Kane... And I and and give me a second to explain myself when I say they need to. They need when I say they need to look. I mean, I I I I'm on record as saying last week I don't think that Evander Kane should be playing for another team in the NHL. I mean, I just don't think that you want to bring on that baggage. But the Oilers are in a very very desperate place right now, and I I say not not only with Evander Kane, the position that they're putting Stuart Skinner under. Now listen, I, you know I hope the best for the kid. Uh, he he's, he is certainly going to get an opportunity. It sounds like uh, to run with the ball a little bit here. Um, I I just think there's a massive amount of pressure on him right now, especially with what was expected of the Oilers and what is currently happening happening to them and where that playoffs is going to be because. Listen, I mean, I know, you know, a month and a half ago, we could talk about the Oilers and a playoffs was almost a foregone conclusion, right? Like, I mean, that that was just the end of the story. That's nowhere near a foregone conclusion at this point right now. And nobody can kind of see where the bleeding is going to stop. And I think that that's not helping with that outlook down the line in regards to a playoff position. The frustration part is exactly what you talked about in regards to McDavid. I was quite surprised when he came out with the comments that he did in regards to Evander Kane. You can see the frustration on him when he's talking to that press and, and, and especially over the past month here. I mean, it is what it is in regards to what they're going through. I mean, nobody's going to feel sorry for them. Nobody's going to be there to help them out. These guys are going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to figure it out really quickly. They just yeah. don't have, they're starting to run out of racetrack here. But yeah. I mean, the, again, those two words, desperation and frustration are very, very evident with this club right now, Marty. Yeah, they're a very vulnerable team. And those two words are actually perfect for this team. And they, they're exposed, they're bleeding, and I nothing is being done to stop the bleeding. So now, there's been a lot of negative talk right now. I'm going to try and and give Euler Nation a little bit of hope. And this might be a bit of a stretch, but hang with me here for a second. So, for me, the secret weapon, or what I hope to be the secret weapon, is Alex Stalick. Okay? So, that, now, he was just played... Edmonton just placed him on waivers on the 14th so that he could be assigned to the um, Bakersfield Condors. So, so, he's coming up. Okay, so now, if you guys don't know, um, at the start of the season, uh, he was diagnosed with a heart condition. So it was actually supposed to keep him the whole season and, you know, kind of put his career in a little bit of a jeopardy. But, you know, this is awesome. This is a great story on its own. Happy for Alex Dalek that he's able to get back into the game like this. But now hear me out. There's something to be said about an emotional pick-me-up, right? Like, we've seen it before. Um, Marte St. Louis... Uh, with you know the death of his mother, 
Uh, the Rangers you know, use that emotion to carry themselves down three games to one against Pittsburgh and had this historic comeback, and they won the series, right? Uh, I think St. Louis actually came back in that game and they actually scored the first goal, and I believe he even had the, the last goal. Whatever. That emotional uh, connection brings a team together nice and tight. That can have that kind of an impact. Did they win the cup? No, but it, it got them that much further, I believe. Okay, and it wasn't only that. There's there's another one goes for there's an improbable run for the Ottawa Senators back in 2016 when um, Nicole Anderson, so Craig Anderson's wife, she was diagnosed with cancer. Okay, and the team rallied around Craig and were like, you know, we got you, we got you. So he he took some time off, but then when he came back, actually, he posted a shutout in his first game back after his wife's diagnosis. And then not only that, man, when they made it to the playoffs that year, which they weren't even really supposed I mean, they could have sniffed maybe the eighth spot. But um, when they did make it in, man, they beat Boston, they beat the Rangers, and they barely lost to the eventual cup-winning team, the Penguins, again. So what I'm getting at is I think Alex Stalock has that storyline. He's got that vibe to him. Um, that I believe that if he does, you know, because what do the Oilers need the most right now? Goaltending. You know, is Stalic's number, are, are they like the, are they going to blow anybody out of the water right now? No, 261 and 909. Okay, I get it. You know, they're not the greatest numbers in the world. But when you've got something like that, like that kind of extra thing, it's kind of, it, it's in, it's similar in, in the sense of like when the Canadians make it to the playoffs, they have the lore, or they have the, the history, right, backing them up. Like when the Canadians are in the playoffs, the Stanley Cup stands up and goes, okay, this shit's serious. So it, it's it's sort of in that sort of respect where it, it's sort of an un... un um, it's not a tangible thing. You can't touch it, but it, you, you feel it. It's there. And if Alex Salek makes it all the way back <clears throat> to a team that desperately needs a goalie, and he rattles back, uh, uh, sorry, he battles all the way back from a heart condition to make it back in the NHL. Man, come on. Like, that's a great pick-me-up. And I can see a team rallying around something like that. That's a positive thing. Anything for for the team to kind of get out of this funk, right? I mean, now, yeah. I mean, again, a total, great story with Staylock in the whole nine yards. But I will say this, though, and this will be the first time I really come down on the Oilers. If you guys are waiting for some sort of emotional lift or anything like that, I mean... They just they just flat out need to get the, get the gears going here, and I I just I just don't know if they have what they need to get there right now, Marty. And I I just, You're right. play, playoffs playoffs. Uh, listen, uh, quite a possibility. I th- I think they can get there. I just don't know what they can do if they happen to get there. And in, in and this again. And we've been talking about this at nauseum. I just don't see where the goaltending's coming from, right? And yeah. I mean, if I, 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 no matter which way you look at it, there's got to be money in and money out in regards to their salary cap situation. So somewhere yeah. along the line, they're going to have to lose something that they currently have on the team to acquire what yeah. they need. So it's yep. they're they're kind of between a rock and a hard place right now, and man oh man, is there just a lot of pressure coming down on that team right now? Yeah, and you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, everything you said, I I, I fully support. Uh, you know, I my I've got my eye in the sky with this Alex story, and, and like you know, I don't know that how realistic any of that really is, but the reason why I think you need sort of something outside to step in is because Ken Holland's made it very clear he's not going to do anything. Um, so that means everything is status quo, and that means this ship's going to keep sinking. And So y- you need an outside source to come in to that dressing room and shake things up 
because nobody else in that dressing room and nobody in the front office apparently is comfortable doing anything. So that's why I'm thinking, well, the only thing that's going to save this season is something that upper management, um, sorry, it's something that uh, the front office can't touch and the dressing room can't touch. It has to be something that comes in on its own. And Alex is the is, is a perfect example of exactly that kind of thing that comes in and really sh- does a shakeup. But at the end of the day, it ain't going to be enough. They're not, I mean, if they make it to the playoffs, I'll be surprised if they make it past the first round at this point. So, like, you're right. In the long term, you're right. They need so much more, which is frustrating to think. Because we're what are we talking about here? Are we talking about an Oilers rebuild? Is that what, are we seriously looking at a rebuild next year? Is that really what's going to happen? Holy man, how are heads not rolling if that happens? Because that's a huge disappointment. Well, I mean, the one thing for me that is quite concerning over this slide is... You've been looking for somebody to kind of step up in some way, shape, or form, whether that's, you know, anything from uh, a fight at an opportune time in, in a certain game. Maybe they're getting dummied or hammered or, or whatever the case is to, uh, in, in, in the media. Right now, it just doesn't feel like there's any kind of like a leadership, uh, uh, I want to say leadership group, but I think I'd be asking for even too much there. Just in regards to the fact yeah. that I, I can't really think of of anybody to, I mean, when you're thinking like massive leadership, like McDavid's the greatest player in the league, but that for whatever reason, leadership doesn't exactly ooze from him. If he, I, I mean, maybe no. it's just me, but I mean, I, I would tend to kind of lean almost more to a Leon Dreisaitl for that, but I'm not exactly seeing that from him either. So now I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, all right, like, who are you kind of looking to a little bit here to kind of stop the bleeding? I mean, about the only guy that you can really pull from is a Mike Smith kind of guy, and he hasn't even been there half the time. So, so yeah. I'm kind of sitting there saying to myself, you know, it's been it's been extremely hard to watch, even as a, a, you know a fan of a rival team. But I mean, for an Oilers fan, this just like I mean, what a disappointing well, year, Marty. Listen, I got up this morning. And I saw that score, and I had to double and triple and quadruple check that. I, I said to myself, but they were up 3-1 to one going into the third period. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and yeah. when I combed over everything and looked at the stats and the whole nine yards, I just said, okay, like, th- if, if there wasn't, if they weren't at rock bottom before, that game last night, is rock bottom for the Edmonton Oilers, Marty. It really, it, like you said, if they weren't already, I don't see how a loss... Um, to the 30th place team after, <clears throat> after leading going into the third period by two goals. I don't know how that isn't rock bottom if you're not already there. I would argue that they were already there leading into this game. Um, but this is like, uh, this is finding new lows to finding new ways to win, really, because this isn't the Oilers that started out this season. They were such a, a force to be reckoned with. They, they <clears throat> and in fact, I believe I even mentioned a couple times this team had the ability to never give up and they always fought through no matter they were down several games at the beginning of the season where they battled back and they ended up with the with the w like it it, it's really it's really disappointing to see how far down they have fallen and that's one and two how far down this management has allowed this team 
to fall down. Not and, and I say management, not coaching, because it's the management's job to see the holes and, and and stop the bleeding as soon as you can for a team like this into a season like this where they were supposed to be in the top five of the entire league at the very least, if not top three. This is some atrocious management decisions to stand pat, which makes zero sense. Well, I mean, there has to be a change somewhere. I mean, I, I don't know how serious Holland is in regards to, uh, you know, the comments he's making in, in regards to the fact that he doesn't want to trade a first rounder, that he uh, does give a vote of confidence to Tippett. He doesn't really want to make a change there. I mean, you, you are starting to run out of bullets here really quickly in regards to what you can and can't do. I'm not sure he has a gun anymore. Well, uh, Does he even have a gun? He doesn't act like he has a well, gun. Well, I mean, uh, it's a little bit surprising, I'll, I'll be honest with you, when he came out and he mentioned that he wasn't really going to be moving this first-round pick. And look, I, un- I understand yeah. that the cupboards aren't exactly full. Like, I get that. But if you have the opportunity to better your club and it's going to cost you a first-round pick, you've got McDavid and Settle on your roster. I, I, now I'm, the time I'm to sorry. do it. I, I mean, and maybe there's something I don't know, Marty. Maybe there's just a thought process that I'm not getting. But, I mean, you, you know... you. you if not now, so, when? If you can't try and make this team better, which team are you trying to I make mean, better? You're like you keep running out of excuses. You keep running out of time. Like what the I hell mean, is this, Marty? You can go back to when they, you know, they, they're not making uh, playoffs for like over a decade. And like, I mean, the, the fan base wants to see uh, like some some yeah. sort of winner here. And and they've been watching McDavid and Drysaddle here now for a couple of years, and of course there's dreams and aspirations of a cup uh, with these players in tow, but you got to be able to supplement those two players and it's it 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 hasn't happened the goaltending hasn't happened uh you know they they Mm -hmm. they put their their faith into a a a 40 year old mike smith 39 year old mike smith here at the beginning of the year and 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 look and look if i'm to comb through it uh you know uh i am in a more deep fashion, maybe there was literally nothing that they could do in regards to going out and getting another goalie, whatever the case may be. But to me, mm-hmm. the money that you spent on Koskinen was at the beginning of last year. Either way, the money that you spent on his contract, the money that you spent on Mike Smith's contract, it seems to me you would have been able to use that on something else. I don't know what that would be. I don't have it in front of me, but it. I just I can't see how... They just were comfortable in continuing on with what was obviously an Achilles heel. And, you know, now that that's showing and shining through uh, more than it ever has. And then, of course, it gets even worse whenever, you know, the league seems to be figuring out now how to keep McDavid and Dreisaitl off the score sheet or at least contain him to a certain extent. I think the money that went to Koskinen was uh, backed on uh, hopes and dreams, right? Because he's still young and there is still hope and there's still potential there. Um, but the money that went to Smith was out of either desperation or just sheer unabil- uh, unavailability of anything better. And I think that's what happened because there's there's um, there's a bit of a uh, those in and around the league know that um, playing for the Edmonton Oilers, you know, this is this might be an old thought, uh, but it's always been a hard sell. 
it's been difficult to get top players to go play for like the Winnipegs uh, and the Edmonton teams, you know, because it's always so freaking cold and there's nothing to do there and those kind of things. And you hear about that where, you know, the hockey, the player players wives aren't usually the happiest when they go to Edmonton or Winnipeg because there's just nothing to do. It's just not the same as you, know, you can't compare that to like going to Florida or Vegas kind of thing. Right. So it's always been a bit of a difficult sell. So maybe there's still something there um, in terms of trying to get a goalie to come to Edmonton. Or maybe it's because the, the league is not as strong in available goalies as they, as they always used to be and leading into last year. So maybe Holland's hands were tied. And that's fine. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I can, I can sort of back into the idea that he, he did what he did because he didn't have a choice. And that's fine. I'm not going to blame him for that. But I am going to blame him for set, standing pat. And doing nothing for the longest of time. Because I do believe that with the right system, you can get you can make lemon out of lemonades. And sorry, you can make lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> That's funny to reverse that. Um, so what I'm getting at is, and I've said this time in and time again, you got the right system, you can win a championship. Uh, look how far Buffalo made it for years on the back of one player. Yeah, Dominic Hasek absolutely stole games for them, but they still need to score goals. So they found a system that worked for them too. And did they ever win a cup? No. But they obviously got very close and they found a way to make things work. What I'm talking about is being disappointed with the fact that they, they're standing pat on a, on a coaching team and a, and, a, and a system that proves time and time again that they don't know what to do when, they're, when their top two players can't score or when they can't keep the puck out of the net. Uh, they can't change things up. Nothing's working, and it continues to show that it's always broken. I, I mean, how much more? How much more proof do you need that th- this is not the right fit for this coaching team? I, I mean, know. one thing that you can say, Marty, is that the fans out there in Edmonton, they do deserve better. I mean, they really do. Um, you know, and and again, listen, we're a couple podcasters here sitting around, you know, shooting the shit, but we don't know what he could and couldn't do. Um, I mean, again, we can comb, we can go back and comb through it, and and, and it's just you know, listen, uh, there's the Meekin, uh, the Koskinen contract, and and the Smith contract. Everybody knows that. I mean, they just weren't the best of deals, and and whether they could or couldn't uh, get someone else, I, 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 at the very least, I think you would have had to have changed what you were trying to do or trying to uh, accomplish beforehand and at least go in a different direction. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I'm mm-hmm. not going to harp on the uh, Oilers any longer there. I mean, it, it is what it is out in Edmonton. They're, they are <laughs> going through a rough time. It, it just flat out is. Yeah. I know that they're, the, any of the fans out there are certainly getting worried in regards to where their team's going to end up here uh, as we march towards the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it certainly makes good fodder for the two of us to, uh, to talk about on the podcast, that's yeah. for sure. And I think, you know, final word on the Oilers, give it up, fans. Even if we do make it to the playoffs, we're not doing anything. So on to next season. <laughs> and it, and it's, it is scary to think that next season could bring on a rebuild. Because I, I, I kind of, in talking it out like this, kind of feeling like that's, you know, it, the good thing is that you've got a lot of pieces that, you know, the rebuild isn't, you know, you can do a, maybe it's not a rebuild. What you could do is a reformat and, and you know, drop a few and pick up a few and you're right back in it. So you do have the luxury of having some top flight talent already on that team. That's fine. Under contract and the whole bit. But um, scary to think that if this team stayed together the next year that, I mean, oh my God, it, it wouldn't surprise me that much. That if Ken Holland just did absolutely nothing and nothing really got changed for next year, 
It honestly wouldn't scare me. It wouldn't surprise me that much just because, my God, he seems content with taking this thing all the way down to the bottom of the well, ocean. One thing that we can say is that whatever results come out of this year will definitely dictate how they're going to be moving forward. And, I mean, if there isn't any kind of a deep playoff run, uh, changes will be coming. I don't know how deep those cuts will be, but they're certainly going to, uh, they're going to, certainly going to change the makeup of that team for sure. So, uh, you know. Off season is going to be interesting. Oh my we'll god! Say that yeah. Oh my god! Now, I mean, speaking of speaking of rebuilds here, uh, moving along to my Habs. Yikes, buddy! Yikes! So, status quo, really? Yeah, pretty much status quo. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing about it is that we have literally fallen to the last place team in the league. Uh, no points, n- not on points percentage or any of this business. Flat out last place team in the All league. Good. So, hey, listen, Sh- it's, Shane it's Wright, welcome. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. we're waiting. We're, yeah, start learning we're French, buddy. You, big dog. Oui, oui, mon ami. Uh, so, so you know what? I mean, th- again, there's not too much uh, to look forward to. I mean, you know, we talked about the mm. uh, NHL All Star Game. Yes, in in the format that is currently going to be used at the All-Star Game. It's nice as a Habs fan uh, to see uh, uh, Nick Suzuki be heading there. We've all made our feelings known about what we think about the All-Star Game, but hey, he is going to be there, so good mm-hmm. on him. Congrats to him. Uh, you know, yep. I, I wish him all the best of the luck. Uh, best of luck there. Uh, we'll see how he uh, performs. But, I mean, it is what it is with Montreal. It is a bad, bad season. Uh, there's not much to look forward to other than, you know, my continuing talk of the uh, entry draft and the nice part about it being in Montreal. Uh, so, I mean, listen, uh, hold on and uh, buckle up tight, folks, because it's a, it's a rough ride, man. And it's, honestly, the thing is, is about this team, and it's sort of in the same breath as the Oilers, is that next year I'd be surprised if there weren't big changes, including to some of your, you know, your top pl- flight players, like Nick Suzuki being one of them, because you need a lot of pieces. This team is not built for anything right now. So I, with the concept of a new GM uh, coming in and, and, you know, wanting their own stamp, I would not be surprised if, if some of your bigger pieces got traded away for things that make sense for a system. Now, I think the first thing they'll need to do is get a coach and have a discussion with the coach. So I think if you, if you at the beginning of the year or of the offseason, I should say, uh, whenever the GM gets announced, I think what you see is you see the GM pick his coach. They have a, a powwow or two and they come up with a system and then they start trading off pieces and then you start building something even better. And I think that's what you should hope for as, as a, as a, well, I will say this. I certainly hope that they can move contracts like your Tyler to Foley's. It's going to be extremely difficult, but a guy like a Josh Anderson, because I mean, he gets signed here. He gets signed here as look, I mean, he's a decent player. I mean, probably making a little bit too much money and he's got a lot of term. Um, but he was the type of player that was brought in to fill a need that they hadn't had in decades, right? Well, they're trying to fill that need in with the idea that they're a competitive team. We all know where they we all know yeah. where they are in regards to the competitive window. Uh, they're nowhere near it. So I'm hoping that they're able to get rid of some of these guys. Personally, I know where you're coming from in regards to the value of Suzuki and using that value. I mean, he's young enough. I would have to assume that he's definitely going to be one of the building uh, blocks moving forward. I mean, unless, unless, uh, again, uh, you know, this other, this next management team kind of comes in and sees that they want to go in a bit of a different direction. Always a possibility. But 
in in my personal mm-hmm. opinion, you got it, and I believe I've said it on the program already. Scorch it, just scorch this thing. You know, talk to Carrie Price. Say, listen, this is what we're going to be doing. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think you necessarily want to stick around for it. I don't know what they would have to do in regards to helping move that contract out. I got to think that. I mean, you can only eat so much of that contract, right? So I gotta be. I gotta think yeah. they're either throwing some sort of player or pick along with that. So this it's gonna be a bit. It yeah. could be a bit of an expensive uh, scorching of the earth or complete rebuild at the start to get rid of potentially in particular Carey Price's contract. We'll see how they can manage it and how they can get yeah. it done. But I mean, it, it, it. I do. I do agree with you in in regards to the f- uh, philosophy of where they want to go with the team. You know. They've got Gordon that's uh, at the top there. He's basically your GM. You're going to have the guy that's going to come in and basically do all the French speaking for him. He'll he'll move in there. And then, of course, they'll kind of powwow in regards to a coach. And then, again, they'll have another powwow and kind of figure out where they want to go with the right. team here. So this could be a little bit of a long go here, folks. And, uh, and you know, like I say, uh, kind of buckle up because it, it, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a little bit rough, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully they make the right decision in regards to kind of completely, you know, tearing down this team and, and, and kind of building up through the draft, getting those draft picks in there. And, you know, it's going to be a, a tough go for a little while for any Habs fans, but I really do think that that's the way they need to go. Yeah, I, and there's there's no two ways about it. Um, it, it, I, I will, however, echo, um, a friend of mine, Rob, he had, he'd made an excellent point. I mentioned before on the show, it is a difficult thing to do a rebuild, um, with the, uh, the fan base that it is because they, they expect the cup every year. So it's a hard thing to do. So as a GM or as a, as a front office, you're going to have to swallow a lot of bad press for a little while. If you want to do this right, because there's no quick fix for a team that is built the way it is now, like the Habs are, um, this does not happen overnight. You, as the honestly, I, I don't know. There's there's a there's an element to this that you should be excited about because think of what kind of return like if you can get Price's contract uh, sort of sorted out. If you're just talking talent for talent, what you can get in return for Price, honestly, I think if it's, if it can happen, Price ends up in Edmonton. I would like to see that. I think that makes sense. But anyways, regardless of where he ends up, if you can get rid of that contract uh, and get some talent back in, and there's a couple other pieces that you should probably look at getting rid of. I know Gallagher is a fan favorite, um, but it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, that's another one that I would just look at and say, like, listen, the, the team's just not better with him. Um, get something for him while you still can, and the team is most likely better without him with whatever comes back in return. So anyways, there's reason to be excited in that regard because something new, something fresh is exciting. And in, and in a league like this, where you know the young ones really shine through, you know if you go heavy on the young, but but build something that makes sense, build a build a philosophy um, with the young, then I think you've got something that could be competitive in a short window because that's just kind of how the NHL is nowadays. So, so uh, re- re- still reason to be excited. I feel the Oilers are. Not so much, but the Habs, yeah. Well, and it, just in regards to all the changes, right? I mean, kind of getting the new coach in, getting, I mean, you're, we expect a new coach, I should say. I'm kind of throwing Ducharme underneath the bus here, but um, a new GM coming in. So, yeah, I mean, it's exciting in regards to, like, you know, where are they going to take this team? Where are they going to go? Um, I, I, again, I certainly am keeping my fingers crossed here, toes crossed as well. 
that they do kind of, you know, tear this thing down and, and really, because I just think they're a little all over the place with some of these contracts and whatnot. So I just kind of hoping they mm-hmm. scorch the earth, get it done. I mean, it's going to be painful. I'm, yeah. and, and you know what? As much as the fans in Montreal, you know, expect a winner every year. I mean, I think they, they've realized here, in particular over the past, what you can say, like, you know, 20, 25 years here, yeah. you know, since the last cup. I mean, it's just not the way it, it, that it used to be there. I mean, uh, you know, you've got a lot of a lot of these teams that are putting so much into the uh, entry draft and they're scouting the. I mean, it, it I, again, it's just not like it used to be. Montreal doesn't have like their pick of the litter uh, in regards to players here anymore. Yeah. So, um, it, it it is what it is, and it's going to be tough. But uh, you know, I think we need. I think we need to do it that way. I mean, if if they decide to go in any kind of direction, I think you're just prolonging That's the pain. Right. Yeah, I think you know, rip the bandaid. Right I off. think so. I mean, you got to you got to get it done. All right. So <clears throat> enough of that. Let's get into some beauties and the beasts because this is some fun. I like the I love this segment. I love the beauties and the beasts because it's always fun. It it forces us to really get into the last. You know, usually we do it about a six game stretch or whatever it was, but um, some some three beauties and one beast it's it's a fun little segment i like it <clears throat> let's get her done bud let's uh all right so let's <clears throat> i'll i'll go right into mine then um and um and i'll start off with uh geez yeah not all-star material apparently but brad marchand <clears throat> 13 points in his last six games what nine of them goals but again not an all-star okay but it's all like i'll let that go <clears throat> um so it's crazy that he's never actually been on this list because he's not having a bad season. Uh, but I think, you know, putting Brad Marchand on this list is always just a little bit too easy. But, you know, if, if we're looking at it as a whole, uh, the kid is um, not a kid anymore. But overall, he's 43 in, in 30, and he's got 20 goals. Okay? That's enough said. But again, in his last six, it's pretty disgusting that he's got nine goals in his last six, in his last six games. Like... I don't know. He he, it's funny to think too that Marshawn started. Weekend. Yeah, I know. I, I, he was a big reason. He got ten points for me this week, or was it more than that? Actually, I think he got more than that for me this week. He got a total. No, it was a total of ten points this week. Um, for yeah, for his, uh, I think it was three games. But anyways, his stats are through the roof. Um, again, it, it's funny to think that Marshawn started out the kind of career that he did start out with, where he was pretty much just an instigator he always showed that he could you know put the puck in that kind of stuff but he really turned his career around sort of like four or five years in kind of when the nhl kind of changed a little bit too and, and he changed along with it when they started really uh, buckling down and the clutching and grabbing so that, that was no, no longer part of his game and he just really had to turn things around and i mean now year in and year out he is always in the top <clears throat> in the top five top ten Solid, solid guy to, to hold on to in any draft format, so or any fantasy format. Sorry. Um, moving right along, David Pasternak, another one. I, sorry, is he going to the All Star game? Nope. I don't remember. No, nope, he's, in, I don't no, think he's so, not right? going either. <laughs> Imagine that, David Pasternak not going to the All Star game. He's not having a bad season. I mean, for David Pasternak's um, seasons, kind of a down yep. year for him, yep. I suppose. Only thirty points in thirty four games. But still, David Pasternak. So let's let's talk about seven goals his last four games. He's got, uh, I think, one assist. We so got eight points last four games. It just you know, it's it, again, it's it's wrong that he's another player that he hasn't been on this list all season. But I mean, at the end of the day, like he's 
he's one of those rare talents as well. Uh, same thing with Marshawn. Kind of in a different category, but they they play so well together. They they pair up so nicely together that, you know, any week you've got Pasternak in your lineup, you stand a great chance of winning that week. So, Pasternak, kudos to you for making it on the list. I know this means a lot to you. I mean, <laughs> as a little side note, he has really helped out Taylor Hall here over the last week, week and a half, man. Ever since, oh Actually, my God. that's true. I traded Hall in another uh, one of our fantasy uh, uh, fantasy leagues, and I'm just dying because of it. I traded him for a couple of picks <laughs> that don't mean anything, and this guy's just starting to rip it up with pasta <laughs> on the second line. I mean, All of a and, and 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 good on Boston because I mean this is a team that's really starting yep. to come on fire right now. So then they got Rask back now too. So man. look out, they're the real deal as usual. Honestly, like we shouldn't be that surprised, but you know now all of a sudden when you get to you know plug in a, a player like Tuka Rask, uh, almost basically midway through the season for him to catch fire at the right time just before you go into the playoffs, like come on, that's not even fair. <clears throat> Um, so my next guy, Joe Pavelski had the kind of week that fantasy owners dream about. Honestly, if they don't have either of their first two, I mean, you know, uh, sorry, what, if they don't have, I, I'm trying to read what I wrote. If they don't have either of the first two, oh, being Pasternak or Marchand, this is the kind of guy that you want. So nine points his last six games, but take a deeper look and you see that he's got 15 in his last nine, but most of that comes from a hell of a game that he had where he posted two goals and three assists against Seattle. So honestly, over the last two weeks, he's actually had the kind of consistency that's reminiscent of his old days in San Jose. So he's he's actually playing really good. He's got 35 points in 34 games. He's showing that last year wasn't a fluke, that he wasn't on the downward trend. He's actually kind of holding it together over there in Dallas. Dallas is a fun team. I really like Dallas overall. Like they got a lot of really nice pieces over there and, and having a, a player, a veteran player like uh, Pavelski who can still produce because he's leading the team. Um, is, a, is a big plus for that team. And, they, and I really like the, what they're putting together. Over I mean, Dallas. at his age and the production that you're getting out of him, uh, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, the guys, you know, the guys really getting it done. It is. And I mean, you got to hope that, uh, that it doesn't go all for naught here and that Dallas can make a little bit of a push. We'll see what happens, but he's having a phenomenal yeah. season on that first line. He is. Yeah. And actually so much, so, and I'm not going to give too much away here. So don't worry the owner out there who offered me a King's ransom for Joe Pavelski. I have never been offered so much for a player. I'm going to say it was one, two, three. Is that it was, I think at least it was four pieces for straight up just Pavelski. And I'm not going to say who, and I'm not going to say what, but four pieces would be coming back to me. And I turned it down. Can you imagine that? I turned I it down. I thought, nah, I'd rather have Pavelski. We're going to have to have a little chat <laughs> off air here, bud, because I want to know who it is. Off air. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to oh, tell you. I, man. Think, I think secrets are good, but I don't mind having a conversation. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, right, so I'm going to end. I'm going to end. I'm going to end with the, uh, the beasts and, and listen. Um, I, I, I don't know if this is going to come as a surprise to anybody, but it really shouldn't. The Oilers as a whole are my beasts. They have stunk on every level, both on and off the ice. McDavid looks frustrated, angry, just overall done. I get it. It's not fun losing, but when their leader looks like that, I mean, who's leading now? Who's helping you get through this? And, and I don't think it's his fault either. I, I think it's the culture that's in that locker room now that's sort of been infused there by, you know, upper management and, and the coaching staff. But again, it says something about, about the whole team, the whole organization that they've gotten to this now. So 
But going after Kane, arguing with each other publicly, losing to a 30th place team, even though you were leading after two periods, there's just nothing good about this organization right now. Uh, and I, I honestly, I just feel like this, this is the end of the road for them. Um, it, it, I, it, honestly, there's a part of me that believes that it gets worse from here on out. I don't think they make, the, there's a chance, there's a very strong chance they don't make the playoffs and that there's a rebuild next year. So all of that, even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. This is the feeling that most of the Oilers fans can agree on that it's really down. And and that's because of how things have gone both on and off the ice. So there's no winning anywhere. So that's where I, I had to put them well, as my I mean, as, as an Oilers fan yourself, Marty, I would have to imagine that you are feeling this kind of tipping point. Like these next, I would say, I want to say like week and a half to two and a half weeks, maybe even just two weeks, like depending on how many games they play here over the next little bit, you want to say maybe a hand, let's say a handful, maybe five to eight games here, maybe five to seven, right, right around that area. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens here because if they kind of can't turn it around here over the next two, three, four games, and I'll give them that window of like a five to seven games, it's it's not looking good for playoffs, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: more important than anything else, the first week that they come back from uh, yeah. the All Star break, yeah. If they don't go on a winning streak in that first week, I don't care if I maybe two weeks, okay? But I, I honestly think if they don't come out with a winning streak of more than three games, let's say, um, then that's it. It's over. Season's done. And, and honestly, and I know that's like a, it's a, a tight window, man. Maybe that's not even a big. It is. They're they're at that point now. So if they don't come out of the All Star game um, weekend just blaring, then obviously this team was done or is done and probably they were probably done a long time. I mean, it's hey, listen, at the very least, it's going to be interesting and it'll give us all sorts of stuff to talk about here moving forward on the podcast. <laughs> uh, moving moving <laughs> along to my uh, beauties and beasts here, folks. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Drew Doughty. Um, you know what? He's injured to start a, a good chunk of the year here. At the start of the year, I want to say it was about a good month, yeah. month and a half uh, that he was injured. But I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. when he's in the lineup, he's playing some really, really great hockey. Oh, uh, I mean, with with, with Doughty here, you're looking at 6'1", uh, 210. I mean, the guy's up there, getting up there in age. He's 32 now. I didn't realize he was that old. Uh, I don't know why, but I mean, it just kind of struck me as a, 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 a little older than what I thought. Uh, 18 games played, 4 goals, right. 15 assists for 19 points, uh, plus seven and like you mentioned he is playing quite a bit at 2508 uh time on ice um yeah, i mean wow. the kings are an interesting team they're a fun team to watch right now uh obviously he's logging yeah. big big minutes like he does in in uh, uh all situations every year um he he is on a bit of a heater here over the last little bit with eight points in his last nine games uh certainly should be uh, considered a uh must start in any fantasy whether that's uh like ours on a weekly yeah. basis head to head or if you're looking in uh, a daily fantasy but uh, he he's definitely a guy kind of you know what i mean uh, in in regards to a pavelski kind of guy on the defensive end older guy maybe you're not expecting this type of season yeah. out of him but he's really really giving you some uh some good minutes uh and certainly some mm -hmm. great production um so i mean good on him 
good on the team. It's it's been a rough go out there in LA. So uh, you know, I'm glad to see the, those guys kind of fighting for a little bit of a playoff spot here. Um True. moving on to yeah. uh Valerie Nishushkin. Uh, big boy, 6'4", 210. He's only 26. Uh, he's got 21 games played. He also was uh, uh, injured for a little bit here uh, for a chunk of the season so far. Yeah. Uh, so he mi- did miss some time. Um, but you are you are getting some great uh, production out of him. He is currently playing on the second line with Kadri and Burakovsky. So, you know, he's around some players uh, and exposed to players that are skilled, uh, which is always kind of nice. He's not kind of mm-hmm. on that third and maybe fourth line with the pluggers and stuff. Um, so, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's certainly got you uh, um, um, some great uh, numbers in regards to his plus minuses, uh, plus 10. Uh, the guy's actually playing a fair bit too, 1838 time on ice, and I actually think he's getting a little bit of uh, both yeah. power play and penalty kill, so uh, you know, nice that he's still in the game. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of time on the, on uh, sitting on the bench, which is always nice. Um, yeah, he's, With the type of hockey that uh, they're playing out in Colorado, he's that type of guy that you kind of want to keep an eye on anyway. In yeah. particular, I mean, I picked him up in our, uh, in our, for our taxi squads in regards to games played with Colorado, but he's definitely a guy that you probably want to look at a little bit more often in regards to uh, daily fantasy uh, for sure. So keep an eye yeah. on him, especially with, uh, you know, COVID and some of these top players uh, heading out with a COVID illness uh, for a game or two and a lot of movement in regards to the roster. Certainly, somebody you want to keep an eye on. Yep. Uh, third beauty, third beauty 100%. this week is uh, Jonathan Quick. Uh, again, kind of falls into that category with a Drew Doughty and a Joe Pavelski, mm-hmm. kind of coming out of the woodwork a little bit, turning back the clock. Uh, you're looking at six one two twenty, thirty five years old. He's got twenty three games played, which is actually quite nice, uh, especially in a daily fantasy because he certainly seems to not be letting the reins go to Cal Peterson just just yet. Um, the guy's got. Uh, eight, uh, sorry, eleven wins, eight losses, four in overtime, couple shutouts, and he's got some really great numbers in regards to goals against average and save percentage with two thirty-eight GAA and a nine twenty-one save percentage, which is actually quite nice. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I mean. Uh, you know, again, like I say, he's been turning back the clock a little bit here. Uh, you know, the team has got a really decent record here as well. 19, uh, 13 and five. They're seven and three in their last 10. He's been a really big part of that. Um, and the, the team mm-hmm. is surprisingly sitting in the third uh, spot in the uh, Pacific Division, which uh, uh, I hadn't actually uh, realized that they were that high in the uh, the standing. So good on them for playing yeah. some great hockey out there in LA. Uh, you know, they've got a little bit of a youth movement 100%. going on too with some of that uh, wretched presence so be interesting to see how that works out as we march towards the playoffs uh my beast this week Mm. i'm gonna be a little bit biased with this one here folks um it's carter hart i drafted this guy uh a couple of years back uh with the (sighs) with the hopes to be uh in all honesty my number one guy um i I think sorokin and shesterkin have supplanted him in regards to that uh so a little bit so it's definitely been a rough go over the past couple of years uh, for Carter Hart. Um, I mean, Philadelphia is just flat out struggling right now, and that certainly is not helping his game mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. But I just think that, you know, I guess the reason I have the big crux of why I have him in there, Marty, is if you invested any kind of time in this guy, uh, whether that's, you know, 
drafting him in a league like ours and going through a future star and developing him in that developing him that way or you're picking him up uh, at the start of the year and say a uh, daily fantasy i think you're kind of left wanting a little bit here with the results uh that you've gotten from this player so you know hopefully yeah. hopefully he can find some consistency uh, you know I, I still believe him and a lot of people in hockey do i mean he still is only 23 years yep. old so you know for a goalie he's still easy well Lots easily probably a good couple of years away anyway uh from what would be his prime so we'll see how it all plays out but uh as it stands right now probably a file that you either want to move on from or uh, see if you can't uh, package in any kind of a deal to see what uh, you can get your hands on and that's it. That's it. And that's it for me, folks. Beauties and the Beast, baby. As always, very insightful, very detailed, very good, Mike. I like your Beauties and the Beast. In fact, again, this segment is something that I really like because it forces me to go through the entire league and really dissect it. So it's a, it's a fun little segment that I like. But um, yeah, I think we've uh, I think we've reached the end of the line for uh, episode eleven. This is eleven, right? Man, already eleven. This Holy is eleven, geez. baby. Oh, by yeah, the way, a couple of shout-outs, too. I, I, I know I got some shout-outs at the beginning, but at the end here, like, we got Massachusetts, North Carolina, Virginia, Utah, Florida, California. Like, uh, the states are just loving us lately. And honestly, I, I have to say, uh, personally, I love everybody who's listening to the show. Man, I really appreciate this. We got Alberta, Ontario, Quebec. Uh, we even got Germany still hanging in there, man. I uh, appreciate that. I see you guys. We see the numbers and I love that stuff. So thank you all for taking the time to, to listen in every week, whenever you can. Really appreciate it. It's been awesome. I, I got to say, I echo exactly what Marty just said. I mean, listen, guys. I mean, when we get down to it, we're just a couple of guys here talking about our uh, our fantasy league, talking about our with the game that we love so much and we've gotten so much enjoyment out of. And you know what? I mean, we certainly uh, didn't come into this wanting uh, any any certain amount of listeners or anything like that. We'll take every last one of you. We thank you, every last one of you guys out there that uh, take the time to listen to us. We enjoy doing this. We're both having a blast, and we certainly hope you guys are All too. All this has been just so much fun for us. Honestly, we look forward to it every week. The way it, it sort of works out is that we've got like a, a Google Drive where we share a whole bunch of notes, and, and, and throughout the week, we kind of chime in. We kind of look into that and add some things and whatnot, and then we remove some things. We removed a couple of things to today's show because we knew we were going to passionate about the All-Star game and the Oilers, so we kind of wanted to give it a lot of time to that stuff, so... Anyways, just, you know, happy and, and please keep listening and, and tell your friends and share as much as you can. And I don't know, I'm happy you guys are still enjoying it and, and still listening in. We hope you guys continue to listen and we uh, will certainly see you next week. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league, and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash Or you can follow us on Twitter where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at Tugalag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. Thanks for listening, and until next time.